to survive, you do exactly as I say. Who are you? Name? Ovi. Move fast, stay low. Something's wrong. The city's on lockdown. Yeah, no shit! Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. All right, we got another fantastically fun podcast for you. This episode is all about Extraction, the new action thriller starring Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth. David Harbour from Stranger Things is also here, and a quality cast of actors from Southwest Asia. The movie is produced by the Russo brothers, who are widely known for directing You, Me, and Dupree, the Owen Wilson vehicle from 2006. Just kidding. I mean, they did direct that, but they are known for being at the helm of the best movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including Infinity War and Endgame. Joe Russo is also the writer for Extraction, as it is based on the graphic novel Suidad he wrote back in 2014. This is his first feature-length screenplay since 2002. Extraction is also the directorial debut for longtime Russo's brother collaborator Sam Hargrave. He is mostly known for being a longtime stunt coordinator and fight choreographer and the Russo's go-to second unit director. To help me bring this one home, I enlisted the help of my go-to for crazy action films, John Amenta of the Pina Comics Podcast. You may remember John from the 6 Underground episode or his appearance a few weeks back on the episode for The Platform. For more great stuff from John and his co-host Sir John and Lloyd the Manster, go to pinacomics.com to check out everything pop culture that they have to offer and subscribe to their podcast, Pina Comics, wherever you get podcasts. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, The Nomcast, It would really help us out. All right. Thank you to John for popping on, and thank you all for listening. So without further ado, here it is, the review of the most popular movie on Netflix right now, Extraction. Give a listen. All right. On the line, one of the best guys in the world to talk to, especially when it comes to movies that hit little children. I am talking... To John Amenta, a.k.a. Johnny Ganache, of the Pina Comics Podcast. Thanks for coming back on, man. Dude, abs- anytime. Absolutely. And you know what? <laughs> I've got nothing better to do right now. <laughs> then hopefully, uh, you know, pick up a gun, man, and start uh, you know, killing some child soldiers. Apparently, it is all the rage. No, we're talking about the number one movie on Netflix in America, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that uh, today. I started watching it last night, and at no fault to this movie, I fell asleep halfway through. I was exhausted. Yeah. So when I went back in to finish it today, you know, because that's new, right? On Netflix, where they're doing that one through 10, that seems to be yes. new. Yeah, that's probably in the last two months. It was, I think, like right before uh, COVID 
the whole stay at home thing. Okay, I think that's just when they started it. Yeah, so I saw number I saw number one there, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth's chiseled face on the little poster, <laughs> and I said, you know, okay, there it is. I found it very easily. Yeah. Yeah, you can't miss him. I mean, sometimes they're a little squirrely with the uh, the thumbnails that they use for some of these movies. You don't pay. You, you don't pay for Hemsworth's that... face and not use it. Oh God, no! But you ever see like one of these movies that is like one of your favorite movies, and then you're looking at the thumbnail, is like, what movie is that? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, what, you just can't even recognize. What it. scene did they pull that from? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Right. It's like, yeah, it, it, like the fourth or fifth guy down the call sheet is the <laughs> front person of the, the poster. It's like, what? What yeah. are we doing here? For Aliens, it's, like, it's the guy who played Wurzbowski, you know, <laughs> the, yeah, the faceless exactly. Marine that gets pulled up into the ceiling by the aliens. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, it gets very confusing uh, on the Netflix landscape sometime, but uh, not confusing these people for this movie because, like I said, it is number one. With a bullet right now. Uh, does that mean it's a good movie? We will get to in in very short order. But one thing that I want to talk about, uh, kind of like how we did the Michael Bay Six Underground together. Yes. And the same way you can't separate a movie that Michael Bay does from Michael Bay because his style is so unique. The big story coming into this one is what is Chris Hemsworth? And because there are two different Chris Hemsworth, there is the Thor MCU Chris Hemsworth, and then there is whatever else he's done before, during, and after, and they are wildly different. Yeah, and it's almost like like sometimes these directors get that one guy that they really speak for. Like think of like De Niro's career when he stopped doing Scorsese movies for like that ten fifteen year stretch. It's like. Uh, okay, what what are you doing? Meet the parents and analyze this is like your best, the best of what you've done in that time stretch from between you know Casino and The Irishman or whatever. Like, what are we doing? It gets a little weird. So you know, there's those type of people who obviously have that kind of effect. And and Thor is one character, and you know I think they a lot of people say they just started figuring out Thor. Like, started giving him a little more life in the character, a little more fun, a little more, you know, something to, to do. Yeah, I think Hemsworth has, um, I think he's done well with the character, but he definitely, um, the he's done well with the character, but the movies haven't served that. Yeah, I mean, there's some people who think Ragnarok is a turning point. I'd say it's interesting. Uh, I'm not one of these people who think Ragnarok is amazing and one of the best MCU movies, but it's fine. It's it's fun in spots. There's a lot of fun characters in there. I won't complain. Uh, and obviously, they brought a little bit of that charm and fun into, you know, Infinity War and Endgame with some of the characters that he's used in the past and the Fat Thor thing and everything else. So. It, there's a there's a way to use Chris Hemsworth that is appealing to people. And some people don't even like Thor. Some people don't even like that. So outside of that, though, I want to run down the last five movies that Chris Hemsworth has done that were non-MCU movies. Oh, my you God. Ready? Yeah. So <laughs> we got the Ghostbusters reboot in 2016, where he's basically playing the reverse Andy Potts. Yeah. Then 12 Strong, 
which is a Jerry Brockheimer produced uh, uh, Afghanistan military movie with the guys who went in right after 9-11. I did not see that. I was kind of interested in that, but didn't see it. It got wildly panned. You're not missing anything. Okay. Uh, then Bad Times at the El Royale, where uh, he is... Uh, there's a lot of bigger names in that movie, and he's probably, I think, fourth or fifth listed in that movie. Now, and again, that movie got middling to poor reviews, so... Not off to a hot start there either. And then <laughs> the debacle that was Men in Black International that yeah. got destroyed when it couldn't have more momentum in a sense because, uh, you know, Valkyrie, his little, you know, sidekick in, in Thor Ragnarok, is his partner in Men in Black International and yet still universally banned shit on lost money here's the problem with that so they made three men in black movies with the original co-stars and only the first one was good so like at that point why point yeah why revisit a a franchise that's 20 plus years old that a good movie hasn't been made in 20 plus years yeah he's hemsworth is kind of confusing to me in that way because you know i definitely thought he was going to be a bigger star after thor i thought that'd be like a launching pad and every yeah. time he kind of jumps into something else, what was that Michael Mann movie he did years ago uh, that it, like totally tanked black black hat? Oh, black hat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like every time he does something, it's just totally forgettable, and it's almost like the MCU just being a part of that. It's like membership has its privileges, you know. It's like yeah. that is keeping his star alive. Yeah, and and. Extraction, obviously, is the last one on that list in terms of the five. And, you know, this is probably the most buzz or headline that he's gotten from a movie in in all this time. Like People not completely shitting on it yeah. uh, from the get as opposed to some of these other films. And even if you go further back, I mean, you know, Cabin in the Woods was a critical darling, uh, but I don't think a lot of people think about that movie and think of it as a, his movie. Forgot he I was in they, it, to be honest with you, I li- and I like that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that movie is more just a, you know, kind of a genre flip movie and kind of, you know, the uniqueness of the story kind of tells, the it, it feeds the aftermath of what people think of that movie versus Hemsworth. And, and then, like, maybe a movie like Rush, the, which was the Ron Howard uh, Formula One oh, right. movie that got okay reviews. Like, that's probably one of the, uh, those two movies, Cabin in the Woods and Russia, probably the only ones I can think of that he did that he's relatively the star and didn't get completely shit on. Yeah, because the only other movie I could think of that he was in, and it was a small role, but it was where I first noticed him, was the J.J. Abrams um, Star Trek reboot. Yeah, where he plays the young George Kirk, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so, and even then, what is that? Five minutes of yeah, screen time? ten minutes top. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it's a way to make a career. The man's not suffering. Uh, a lot of people keep giving him chances. But, you know, I don't know if, uh, to a man, I don't know what I want from him or what I think he does best. I think part of, especially being a big time action star is just knowing what people like about you and then driving that into the ground, like doing as many projects that feature that as you can to make a living. Stallone figured that out. 
uh, you know, Arnold figured that out. He was completely in on the joke more often than not. Right. Kind of the the appeal of Arnold. You know, so all the uh, the Rock clearly knows what people kind of want from him. You know, and obviously he gets what entertainment is from the Rock. You know, so he clearly has like a certain subset of movies that he does. You could basically smell what he's cooking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but Hemsworth easily because the man is a fucking brick house yeah. of a human being. He's he is a human Hulk. I remember hearing on a podcast that was talking about extraction uh, that they were just like, you forget how huge Hemsworth is when he's not standing next to a CGI Hulk or some other huge right. monster that you're just like, oh, right. He's a mammoth human being that would scare the daylights out of most people in public if you saw him. But a movie like this, is is this what you want from Chris Hemsworth, John Amenta, personal opinion? Or is or is it closer to like a little bit more fun out of your out of your Hemsworth? Well, let me put it to you this way. So we just talked about Chris Hemsworth and his basically forgettable career for ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Thor. That's what everybody knows him for. Um, it's like that. It's like the uh, the line in Dumb and Dumber when it's like, just when you can't do something more stupid, you go and totally redeem yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about this movie. Um, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I guess we could just get right into it. Yeah, I fucking, please. I fucking dug this movie. <laughs> You're not alone, man. A lot of people are going ape shit over this movie. I guess if you're going to rip off the Band-Aid, I'll do it too. I thought it was good. I'm not gaga over it. I think we had a lot of fun kind of going through uh, the Michael Bay catalog and kind of talking about like the set pieces and things for that one that were like, yo, this plot is garbage for the most part. Yeah. But man, do, do you ha- can have a lot of fun with that movie, even though it's you know cartoonishly stupid at times. This movie, because it plays itself way more seriously, you kind of have to take it a little more seriously, or at least like just mentally, you're kind of gonna, because uh, there's no parts where you're just like, "Oh, this is stupid." There's no, yeah, there's no uh, yacht that gets super magnetized in this one, and you will never talk a bad name about that because it's amazing. <laughs> so, but with this movie, you know, you got a lot of. There's not a lot of set pieces. There's just a lot of different ways to kind of present how to do fight choreography yeah. and how to kind of, uh, you know, do some trick editing to make things look like uh, one shot. You know, there's a lot of different camera angles that scream. I mean, I, I wrote down, if, if you were to say, and I'm, I'm trying to see if you match up with my brain, so the influences upon this movie, the kind of comps, that you would say what's the first things that come to mind okay so without you even saying that i was going to tell you what my thought process was when the people sat down to write this movie yes someone said we need equal parts of these following movies the raid redemption yep which is funny because when the raid was going to be um brought over to america it was going to be chris hemsworth and his brother for quite a few years they were attached to it Oh, interesting. Um, so the Raid Redemption, Black Hawk Down, the idea of people trying to escape from this, you know, heavily, yeah. you know, fortified position. Sure. Um, Man on Fire, 
which okay. which I really enjoy. It's a you know the Denzel Washington movie, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. bodyguard uh, vengeance type movie. And what's the one other one? Oh, I was thinking about this earlier. I'll get to the other one, but you get an idea of what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I would say one thing that you didn't say that I would. Well, there's a few. I wrote down the raid movies because we're we're in sync there. And then I also wrote down The Night Comes for Us, which I don't believe you saw, but it kind is no. the same fight choreographer from The Raid. So we're kind of talking same, same. And then, except for The Night Comes for Us, does what you were saying probably about Man on Fire, where it's a man on a mission to save a child from being harmed kind of thing. Like kind of, you know, uh, The Night Comes for Us is basically a guy saves a child from being killed and then protects that child from being killed from like a huge army of people. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then tries to get them, you know, out of the city to, to help them escape. It's essentially this movie. And then uh, a couple of other ones, hardcore Henry. I've never seen that, but, but I was going to say, what I mean by that, yeah, though? Oh yeah. Oh, first person shooters. Well, that's the other part I was going to say. Call of Duty. This person yeah. just yeah. sat there and just watched a Call of Duty, you know, interaction and was like, "Okay, how can I make this more like like somebody who is like, you know, it's popular. Uh, let's see, Chris Hemsworth, big muscle guys, and esports. Uh, Call of Duty specifically, watching people, you know, watch other people play video games and shooting people in the head. Let's just do that." And, uh, you know, don't worry about how thin the, the characters will be. We'll just do a bunch of cool shit and people will forget. And guess what? My Facebook feed is full of people who are like, yo, did you see this fucking movie extraction? <laughs> oh, they John Wick. Everybody. John Wick was the other movie I, I, that factored into it. Well, I'll tell you this, John. John Wick is a good entry into something else that's going on with this movie. This movie is the first movie uh the first feature film from sam hargrave who is a longtime stunt coordinator um and he did all the stunt coordinator stuff for the russos who the russo brothers are the producers and joe russo wrote this movie it is based on a graphic novel mr pina comics uh called suidad uh which is spanish for the city because i learned shit oh there you uh, go yeah um so you know, he wrote that back in, I think, 2014, but obviously, you know, he was busy doing something like, I don't know, Winter Soldier, Civil War. Yeah, Winter uh, Soldier. Infinity War. And, uh, Making and, them bucks. Right. And the person along for the ride was Sam Hargrave uh, making, you know, doing all the stunt choreography for some of the most notable fight scenes ever made with the MC, MCU movies that were made by the Russos. And then something else is that the Russos trusted him enough to do second unit directing. So basically oh. all the stuff when the Russos aren't around, he's in charge of doing so. And then he got to do so on a few other movies. Of note of those movies, Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2. The reason why he was second unit director on those is because both of those movies were directed by a former stunt coordinator. And you're starting to see this. So John Wick ripped the Band-Aid off. John yeah. Wick, uh, the whole franchise, one, two, and three, are all directed by Chad Stileski. Uh, the person who helped, who helped Chad Stileski uh, make that, uh, at least the first one, 
was David Leach. He was basically an uncredited co-director, and he directed Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2. And so we're starting to see these guys come out of the woodwork, uh, become stunt coordinators who get a little bit more shine, get trusted by especially an A-list actor. Keanu uh, worked with Stileski on The Matrix. He was his stunt double, and he was the stunt coordinator for The Matrix. Yeah, I remember so, reading that, yeah. So you basically have these long-time relationships where they're giving first-time directing chops to people who they've seen around for 20 years doing borderline the same stuff in a second-unit version, and now we're getting this. And then, obviously, bring in Netflix, who's like, yeah, we get to work with the Russo brothers? fuck yeah we're gonna do whatever the hell you say (laughs) are you kidding me like you're a name unto itself oh you can bring in a hemsworth when we don't have a hemsworth in our catalog excellent it's like pokemon netflix just likes to collect things and then they obviously bring in a first-time director which is something that netflix does all the time anyway and if anyone knows the popularity of the, the the raid type movies it's netflix because the night comes for us is a South Korean uh, fighting movie with the fight choreographers from the raid movies. And then they also just had a movie uh, get released the day before uh, this movie came out called time to hunt, which uh, I hope we will talk about on this podcast. Cause I fucking love that one. Uh, and that is South Korean crime movie, kind of escaping the city type things with a lot of gunplay and fights and stuff uh, there too. They know that people love this shit. So they just were like, oh, we could put Hemsworth in something that people would have watched if it wasn't Hemsworth? Cool. Well, <laughs> And here you go. Yeah, to get to your one of your points you just made, you said you hope that you could do that uh, one movie on this show. Yeah. It's your show. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> I know. I understand. But no, John, I'm just, I'm fucking uh, with you. <laughs> if, if, if this show was a me and a co-host situation or something, or, uh, you know, I try, I try to give, uh, uh, Netflix is currently stacked the deck. They literally released three movies in three days. And I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, trying to play catch up. So perfect time right now. Perfect time with all this stuff going on. But yeah. yeah, not for the podcasters. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> well, unless they're laid off, you know, God bless you. Uh, or do it for a living. Even more cool. Um, you know, there are those people. Uh, I am not one of those, but I, I hope to one day. Uh, if you want to, if you're listening to this and you have those means, give me a call. We'll talk soon. Oh, are we, are we going to do a Kickstarter for Nomcast right now? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, let's get those numbers up, baby. What, what I was going to say real quick was that, you know, I had alluded to earlier that I really enjoyed this movie. This movie is like you, you kind of said it before it's simplicity. There's, you know, there, there are some thin characters here, but that said, there are a lot of performances that I really liked in this movie. Mm -hmm. And even if they are kind of thin, for what you would consider almost like a normal character archetype to be in this type of movie, I think they went above and beyond with who they picked to play them. So they stood out more. So like the, the main bad guy, the villain of the film, he just, there was something different about him. He had this calm Mm. about him that I really liked a lot. Um, Hemsworth did a good job. Um, The one thing they did with the Hemsworth character that I was a little like, 
weary on was that I don't mind the fact that they gave him the dead son as a uh, kind of impetus for, you know, seeing that this guy is kind of fallen. Um, yeah. What I don't like in movies like this is where they do that kind of like really, I don't know, modeling bit where like, you know, he keeps on almost seeing his son in a memory and yeah. it keeps happening throughout the whole thing. You know, there it just... And then finally, when, you know, when you think he's going to die at the end, he sees him finally, you know, I, I get it, but like, you don't have to always do that to convey the fact that the guy is in pain. No. Um, but like, but I, I did like Hemsworth in this. David Harbour has a really quick, um, man, kind of manic, good little part, but the person, and I'll ask you, cause I don't have any of the notes written down. The guy that I was most impressed with in this movie was the... What was he the bodyguard? Yeah, he was the well. He was the guy who joins in on the fun at the end after he tried to steal the kid earlier Him. in the movie. Essentially, essentially the kid's bodyguard. Yeah, that's yes. Randeep Huda, uh, who basically they they plucked a lot of people from uh, Indian cinema, uh, and he's one of these. Like he doesn't really have any crossovers. This is kind of his first entree into that. Um, and yeah, no, I agree. Uh, there are a few scenes with that I kind of, uh, I don't know, get snobbish about and just go, ooh, what the hell are we doing here? Like, if every action, I guess that's part of the thing. This movie, I wanted more character from it. Like, okay. if you watch those 80s action movies that, you know, you kind of go back to all the time, there are just some fucking straight up characters. There are some people who have like fully fleshed out weirdness to them or have some kind of quirk that makes them unique. And, you know, a lot of these guys in here, you know, the 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 father of the the kid that was taken, the other drug dealer who's in prison, he's in prison. Right. And he gets one scene to be convincing in some level. It's kind of weird that he's not around. To kind of make all these decisions that they kind of like had to turf this whole thing, uh, and th there's nothing much to them. And in fact, the the backstory of the two drug dealers feuding so much that a kid gets taken, there's no real explanation for what was the tipping point to get to here. You you realize like they could have just you know fought each other in the streets. They didn't have to like steal a kid. Yeah, like, but I know it's I, more personal. Right but again. And he's in prison. Listen, I can jump through the hoops, but without them kind of maybe saying where it's like, okay, he's in prison. Maybe they're trying to move in on his territory or show his vulnerability that he's in prison, so we're going to steal his kid. Fine. I get that. Um, but without the two drug dealers actually interacting, I don't really feel a lot of that tension. I just feel the tension once the kid... You know, once the extraction starts, like anything before that is kind of weak. Uh, it kind of takes a long time for me to get engaged. And I think everybody, uh, whether you like this movie or not, didn't really start to get kicked in until the 34 minute mark where most people kind of are like, oh, yeah, let's hit record on this bad boy, because that's when the first extraction piece from the from the forest in, where uh, the, all the guys get killed on the boat to r getting in, back in the car and then doing that one-shot take right. all the way up into the apartment. 
that's when I think this movie really turns on its head and really shows its colors. Even though, obviously, you could be like, uh, Andrew, there are two people who get shot in the head in the first five movie, five minutes yeah. of this movie. Um, I was okay. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, uh, I think that's really the mark where people really spin on their heels and go, oh, I can't look away. I, I agree with that. But what <clears throat> what I like what they did here was, so yeah, you're right. You've probably got about 15 minutes of setup where you meet Hemsworth character and he does that dive into the water and that really weird scene where he's meditating at the bottom of the water. That was odd. I think that was a weird choice, but, um, and then you, you, you know, you meet the drug dealer and you see the kid getting taken. And then you have the scene where the female mercenary contacts Hemsworth and that's the setup. And what I liked about this movie is that the name of the movie is extraction. So we literally did everything we needed to do in about 15 minutes time to get to the point where Hemsworth goes to the safe house to find out about the kid. And that's where the race to the end starts. And I and that's what I liked about it was that, you know, and I get what you're saying. There there might be a a more interesting backstory to these two, you know, um, Indian drug lords and everything. But. I'm fine with just dropping me into it and realizing that these guys hate each other, that it's it's such a blood feud that he's going to take a kid over it. And let's just get into the meat of the story. I also like want to mention that I love the fact and you will get into this further, but yeah. I love the fact in the first scene where we meet the the rival drug dealer who did the kidnapping. Yes. To prove a point, he has a kid thrown off a roof. Yes. And in most movies, that would have just been like (laughs) him thrown off and then him dangling by his foot. Uh Uh-uh. In this movie, he throws an 11-year-old kid to his death off a roof. almost threw a second. Yeah. Yeah. Almost threw a second. Yeah. Yeah. And then utilizes that leverage with the the kid community, the child soldier community, basically the neighborhood, to then have a scene later where Hemsworth just goes to town beating up small children. (laughs) That scene was simultaneously harrowing because there are really children soldiers in this world. Absolutely. And hilarious because like the way Hemsworth finally defeats the main one is he bitch slaps them like like you yes, would to a, a kid a lot of open hand slaps in that yeah. scene now the the thing is is that if you want to call this movie schizophrenic the you have the scene in the safe house with the initial extractions taking the kid the child soldier has a gun pointed at him and you kind of feel this sympathy and you know empathy for like this kid who's in a bad situation who feels compelled to shoot Chris Hemsworth and everybody else is gone so you have this moment and then flash forward about 30 40 minutes later and it's like oh yeah all these kids are going to get slapped around and and uh, you know had their head thrown through a car uh window that one oh the car window was fucking brutal <laughs> yeah. well that's like, absolutely brutal so they're they're setting up okay so let's put the cards on the table already. The same way I was telling you, like Six Underground had that kind of like peak into like, oh, they're totally setting this up to where there's more than just one Six Underground film. Like this movie, A, it's the Russo brothers who haven't met a movie they didn't want a sequel to right. because they've only dealt in two Captain America movies. 
the the ultimate sequels in Infinity War and Endgame, and you know now obviously with something that everyone sees the end of this film, and you can kind of tease the uh, Farad might take over you know the business uh in in this movie you can easily see that being a sequel and clearly you know they want to tease that hemsworth is more than likely alive yeah i mean for me seeing this movie and you know when you leave something like the end of this movie um when you leave it unclear like that i feel like they're telling you I feel like they're telling you to make up your mind. And for me, my mind is made up that that was him. Oh, God, yeah. Because what's the point? What's the point of having just some dude standing blurry in the background? Well, but see, I get that. But but why not show him? You know? I I think that they're trying to make you think it could just be some guy. I guess. Uh, I don't think this movie is clever enough to get there. But yes, (laughs) I I hear you. so I jotted a few things down now that we're kind of like starting to break down the film a little bit more. So for people who are squeamish with, uh, you know, spoilers for a movie that is uh, the plot is razor. Th- Trust me, the same oh, yeah. the same uh, disclaimer we put on the Six Underground pod where it was like, hey, we're going to talk about openly about certain scenes or about certain plot elements. Don't worry about it. It's completely wildly unnecessary because yeah. you're coming to the party to see Hemsworth unload a you know duffel bag worth of guns on people. So Chris, Chris Hemsworth gets hired to to rescue this kid and get him out of what Mumbai or whatever or uh, where where they were uh, Bangladesh car I believe that is the ty- that is the actual a hundred percent plot of this movie yeah <laughs> yeah there are things happen little things happen there's some betrayals there's some you know there's some little little twists and turns Chris Hemsworth gets hired to rescue a kid and get out of the city period just move in right. now <laughs> right all right so I'm I wrote down a few things and I want you to kind of like yay or nay Put me on my ass, you know, uh, give me a, uh, you know, a rake through the head if you feel the need. Uh, a Tyler rake? Yeah, a Tyler okay. rake, which he kills someone with a rake. How, yes. And in a rake inside the safe house? Inside yeah. the safe house. Everyone has a rake inside their safe house. Um, that is totally it. So a few things I wrote down. Uh, two things this movie desperately needed. A, which uh, more lines or depth for David Harbour's character, Gaspar. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I should have seen his betrayal coming. I know nothing about him. They have a relationship. We know nothing about it besides that they work together at some point. Chris Hemsworth, uh, uh, Rake, saved his life. That's right. He That's mentions it twice. Yeah. He owed him. That's all we know. Right. Um, do I know him to be duplicitous? Do I know why he happens to be in Bangladesh? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things here, uh, that could been solved with a few extra lines, a few extra minutes in that house. None of it came. Uh, so, uh, and especially for me, uh, the David Harbor fight is probably one of the more compelling scenes because it comes after the confrontation and actually has some real oomph with two behemoths going back and forth. Yeah. David Harbor. It, as I watched this, he said a line 
that I've seen in a million movies before that as an adult man, I've never said to another man, and I, I only want to get into a situation in my life where I have to. He says to him at one point, he goes, step aside. Yeah, <laughs> like I, yes. and I just thought, man, I see all these movies and I've never said to another man, step aside. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I have not lived a full life yet. <laughs> I know that is an old West thing, man. That is straight step up. aside. Yeah, that is. I'm the sheriff in this town move. And I yeah. absolutely there. Yeah, there's a few things, especially with the action franchises. A step aside is good. Having a briefcase handcuffed to your hand is good. Yeah. There's oh, a yeah. lot of cool shit that you just go. I want that one day. <laughs> um, I hope I live an interesting enough life for that. And then I mentioned about no, wanting to know more about the feuding drug lords because I don't fully get the motivation to kidnap him, and they lose a metric ton of bodies from the police force and private protection to carry out something that we don't know fully why it went down. Yeah. So, yeah, There, there's a trail of bodies in this movie. Yeah. Uh, another thing uh, is... We kind of touched upon it. The eight months later end cap scene, wildly unnecessary because you go from, uh, to me, I think, and you can refute this, uh, we'll get to the eight months thing in just a sec. So I think the best part of this movie is the once uh, Saja comes back into the fold when they enlist him and then basically... Right after the David Harbour fight, which I think is very good, all the way to Hemsworth falling off the bridge into the water, I think is the best part of the movie. Agreed. And I, I like because at least no matter what's going on to this point, you know there's only one thing left, and it's to get that kid through the bridge and onto the helicopter. Well, they start the movie with the bridge scene. So yeah. you're you're as a viewer okay when are we gonna get to the bridge because this seems like especially since you see in the bridge scene in the beginning he gets popped in the back and he's in bad shape so you're assuming this is where the character dies this is a this is a typical western movie last stand yeah so i thought again i really enjoyed this movie was it the best thing i've ever seen no but i do think that that last bit where um uh the the kid and uh what was it Sin sinjay Saju. Saju. I won't forget that again. Yeah. Where the kid and Saju are going to and through the bridge in the town, and Hemsworth is kind of running um, uh, interference and getting them there, and then you have the uh, the female mercenary and the helicopters and all that. That was just fantastic. I mean, there was other great action scenes in this movie, but they really did do a great job with that last bit. Yeah, so, and yet I still have a, a feeling that if they set some of those other things up that I was referring to, whether it be the drug lord stuff or, uh, to me, uh, one thing I didn't mention yet that I also have in my notes is um, Nick, the the female mercenary, as you called her. Okay. Uh, is she? <laughs> because uh, she's kind of a behind-the-scenes person yeah, but uh, she fires an rpg she blows a helicopter up man yes she does yeah. once we realize that she's capable of it and that's the uh, seven eighths into the movie yes yeah. <laughs> oh yeah percent into the movie so 
to me, I know nothing about her background, whether she has a military background, a soldier, whether she's she seems like a handler. Like so to me, if I saw a person I'm trying to think of like a famous handler in a movie, if I saw let's put it this way, if I saw Alfred take uh, save Batman by firing an RPG, I'd kind of go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." And yet, I know even a modicum of Alfred's background to know he was at least in the military. Yeah, so, yeah. uh her I know she's good at setting up deals. I know she's good at maybe surveillance or setting up a plan. I don't, she's not in field work to my knowledge up until they literally go riding in there and, you know, start blowing people up. So, and she's good enough to snipe the sniper. Yeah. At, at some point. So she has some big, big lifting at the end for someone who we really don't even fully grasp her relationship to Hemsworth besides that she's on the team and she recruits him uh, for these crazy missions. I feel like they're, you know, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I feel like they wanted to get so quickly into the actual meat of the story that they're relying on the fact that they maybe don't feel like they had to, um, kind of feed you that stuff they want you to feel like he lives in an existed world where he's worked with these people because they they also kind of reference the fact that you know he was familiar with all the like that bearded sniper guy in the beginning he never has more than what a line or anything he does a couple cool actiony things but you get this feeling that they it wasn't like they just put them together like they've worked together before um, which she says to him, she says the whole team's been killed. He's like, you know, God damn, you know? Right. So you get a feeling that this is just his thing. The one thing I did think was a little weird was you kind of get a feeling that I think if this was an 80s movie, there would have been a saxophone soundtrack sex scene between her and Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Because she obviously cares for him in terms of like when she sees the squalor he's living in, she's kind of disturbed by it. Yeah. And that's... That's where at the end when she pops the actual bad guy, the villain, you know, you get this feeling of, you know, her revenge for Hemsworth. And you're right. From what we've seen, you're like, why would she care so much? But I think they're trying by that, by her going to his house and seeing it and being disappointed. I think they're just trying to say, hey, before this existed, these people have known each other a long time move on let's get to the extraction we named the movie extraction let's get to yeah, it yeah 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 i i guess uh you know without picking this thing to death obviously is just something that i think if this the thing about the russo brothers because everybody you know they're synonymous with the mcu and some of the mcu's biggest titles but let's be clear they directed them they didn't you know write these movies right. they didn't write the dialogue they didn't write these scenes they just knew how to execute them. And and that's a great skill, and they are great at it. They are one of the hottest new directors because of that feat, which is interesting why they wouldn't direct this themselves. Um, but I, I'm, I'm all for giving people their first shot. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it does show that maybe a more seasoned hand could have helped bring this script a little bit more over the line and this movie is not long either it's got to be i think 140 no it's it's two hours it's an hour and 57 the credits are like 15 minutes long okay all right you're right and the movie i think clocks out 
I think even with the 15 minute credits, I think it's like 150, 155. So it, it's not as long as you think. So the between that and the eight months later thing, which it might as well be kind of a okay uh, a scenario. Yeah, uh, I agree th- with that. There's uh there's the, my biggest problem with the eight months later thing. Well, besides, uh, you know, as a man, I, I even if you're a bad guy, you you should not have to be shot with your dick in your hand going pissing at the urinal. Come on, have some. Well, not, uh, <laughs> not just that, but like he goes into the bathroom to take a leak, and he's guarded. He has his his kind of like heavy set bodyguard that's with him through the whole movie, standing at the door. How does a woman in a full like prom dress get into the men's yes. room to fucking murder you? Plus, That's yeah. Absolutely poor planning on Nick's part to have a full evening gown where where it's just going to drape along the bottom of the uh, dirty bathroom. Yeah, uh, I thought that when I saw it. That is not uh, smart planning if you care whatsoever about that, not to mention being dragged through the blood of uh, the person you just murdered. The other part of that is if you're that drug dealer and you are, you know, constantly living in this kind of heightened sense of awareness, shouldn't you know that a woman walking up to the urinal uh, is a red flag immediately <laughs> and to maybe uh, zip up and run? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had that kind of like, wait a minute. It's not like we're in a unisex bathroom or some, <laughs> you know, private bathroom where it could be any kind of hey, look. thing. They're very progressive in Bangladesh. I guess so. All right. Uh, so there was that. And then, you know, and then you go from Hemsworth, which I, I don't know if you took it the same way. When he falls in the water, did you kind of want it, that Moby song from Born, the Bourne series to be like, like yeah. what is it called? Separate Ways? Something like that. <laughs> I know what you three. mean. Yeah, yeah. Where you see Bourne get shot and fall in the water, and then all of a sudden he's swimming away. Yeah, it, the, it, the it, eyes open. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it was so like that. It's unreal. Except you know, getting shot in the neck. I don't care how long you can uh, breathe underwater. If you got an extra blowhole there, buddy, uh, that's going to be a tough sled to uh, yeah. get out of there. He was in rough shape to begin with, and then he got popped in the neck. Yeah. So then, so then you get to watch. Uh, Ovi, Ovi Jr., uh, the former captive, walk through high school, get onto a high dive, jump in, do the same thing that Hemsworth does in the beginning, kind of sitting at the bottom of the pool, you know, trying to maintain composure and breathing, and then comes up and we see the blurred possible image of Hemsworth. Now, the only thing that I can possibly be charged up about about that is that maybe he's training Ovi and that he's there for a reason he has he knows that he's there but again yeah, I didn't I'm think of it that way leaps that they don't get credit for they shouldn't get credit for because right. I'm just speculating my my feeling by his body language even though eight months later you'd probably be at least over it enough was my feeling from his body language was that he was like still depressed like you know, he assumed he was dead and he probably feels guilt over his death. And when he comes out of the pool and sees him there, this is him coming back eight months later after, you know, uh, being dragged out of the river in, in, in India and right. somehow surviving that. Right. Um, I don't know. I, again, it's it's one of those things where it's like 
I kind of I kind of like that ending because I was bummed out that they killed uh, Saju because here was a guy that was doing everything he was doing for fear of his family being killed. Right. And you get you feel for him in that, you know, like he they made it a point. You know, he has a conversation with his wife and kid on the phone, how much he loves them. And, you know, if you don't hear from me and you know why he's doing what he's doing, I'll, I'll be honest, he's the one character in the movie that when he got shot, when he dies and gets shot in the head, I actually audibly gasped. Not that I didn't think he was going to die, right? but like it actually took the wind out of me. I was like, damn, man. Yeah. I was hoping he would get through it. So at least in my mind, if if uh, Hemsworth, Rake, whatever his name was, survives, I kind of like the idea behind that because here was a guy that was kind of like, he wasn't irredeemable. He was just broken. Right. And at the end of what you know could have been his life, he did something that was, you know, honorable. He he saved this kid beyond saving. You know, he he didn't get paid for it. He he gets double crossed by people and and everything he did ends up preserving this life. So you know what? Let him live. And I was glad I would have been happier if they showed it was him. Because I feel like the audience deserved to not have that moment of like you said, is it him? Is it not him? Um like why put that there? It would have been for I'll me it would have why. been why? Because they Netflix is not dumb, and they want to know whether this movie succeeds to whether there's enough of a payoff to make that, oh, yeah, no, it was obvious, and then make it into a sequel versus right. doing something to where, oh, no, 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 uh, that uh, we left it up to interpretation because that's what we felt. Yeah, they can spin it if the movie doesn't work or if it doesn't, you know, garner enough attention that they could be like, "Oh yeah, we left it ambiguous. We didn't know what our plans were." But I think they deep down they wanted to succeed to make a new one because that's probably what the Russos want. The Russos, by the way, congratulations to them because I know if you if you make two of the the highest grossing movies of all time, you get to do whatever the hell you want. They currently have nine movies in production, and that was wow. after. Bombing uncontrollably with 21 Bridges uh, with Chadwick Boseman. Uh, I never saw more advertisements for a movie in my life than 21 Bridges. And no one, I repeat, no one I know saw that movie. I didn't, not only didn't see it, I didn't realize that was them who did it. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. It, it's a shame. Uh, <laughs> like Nobody cared. It's like Black Panther couldn't have been a bigger movie. The yeah. Russos couldn't have a bigger cachet following the end of the uh, that initial wave of the MCU, the Infinity Saga, whatever you want to call it, and yet nobody gave a shit. You know why? Because the trailer, there was nothing to this movie. I don't know what the fuck was going on. From what I remember about the trailers for that movie is it seemed like a movie that would have come out like in 2004. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like, like, you know, this rogue cop has to... Wasn't there a movie where... Uh, where a cop has to get someone across town in uh, 15 blocks or something, 61 blocks. Yeah. It was a Bruce Willis movie. Well, 16 blocks. Yeah, with most deaf. Yes. it's yeah. it, Just the previews alone just looked like it was that again. Yeah. And that, and one, that movie didn't work in 2005. <laughs> no, but I almost, uh, to your point, in an alternate universe, if the MCU doesn't exist and Black Panther isn't a big hit, isn't that probably a 50-cent movie? Yeah. Like, yeah. Obviously, I meant the person, but also kind of the bargain bin. <laughs> yes, it is not only 50 cents to rent and or buy. Yes. It stars Curtis 50 Cent 50 Jackson. Cent Jackson. Yes. 
So, I mean, so uh, now again, uh, this is a, a a review podcast. This is a critical hat that I'm currently wearing uh, that goes uh, right above my Mets hat that is on my head. Because uh, <laughs> it is part of my COVID outfit. My quarantine outfit is yeah. just... Uh, hiding my quarantine shamed hair and uh you know being comfortable so i'm gonna take off that critical hat for a moment and i'm gonna actually join in the fun a little bit this movie the action shit when it rides man fuck it this this movie and even for a movie like raid redemption that i think is some of the best action ever made and it's incredible nobody goes to watch the raid redemption for the story no they just needed a reason to get to that apartment building to just shoot a million people <laughs> and fucking have crazy kung fu. Now, that is my preference of modern fighting. I love the raid. I love I really love the fighting in the night comes for us, even though I have problems with that story too. But man, every minute of that one I was like, "Holy shit, how did they do this?" This movie, yeah. I mean, doesn't have that level but it is clearly right there. Yeah, it's it's not the raid, but for a mainstream American produced action film, it's it's about as violent as you can get. Look, there's a fight scene. <laughs> there's a fight scene in this movie where both combatants get hit by a car <laughs> mm-hmm. like at different points <laughs> and it's yeah. not the same car. <laughs> no. Like yeah, Shout out to Bangladesh drivers. Yeah, holy shit! And and I actually saw a little bit on um, I don't know where it was, maybe online a week or so ago. When you after you had told me we're gonna watch this, I saw a thing about how the director, the scenes where they're driving through Bangladesh, he actually had a rig oh, yeah. set up and he sat on the top of the vehicle and filmed like through the back window because there's scenes where they're driving through like the alleys and the streets that it's film perspective from kind of like the the back window and you could see you know the driver and the passenger Hemsworth and the kid and everything through the windows and it's actually the director you know using the camera and the car going through these areas yeah you know what it reminded me of especially watching him do that in those clips that they did behind the scenes it almost felt like he was a guy uh, on a turret in a in a like a tank situation where yeah. like they're just driving badass and he's the gunman at, at the high right behind just sh- you know pivoting from angle to angle to kind of show you all the different perspectives of who's chasing after them what's down this alley trying to kind of show you everything that you know a person who's on the run kind of you know uh, with their head on a swivel is gonna look for and and try to find i thought that was very unique the the one thing that i couldn't fully grasp onto is the moments that it truly looked like a video game those are the ones that i hope going forward they don't take that to heart that this is this is the new version like everybody every now and then there's a movie like this that will come out and you just go oh well this is going to be the new way people do things and obviously the interesting thing is that this movie is biting off of something that's not too long ago uh, overtly in, in like the raid movies and those South Korean action movies. So, you know, now it hits the shores. I mean, you had John Wick before that. 
you had other movies, you know, obviously the Matrix if you go way back or, you know, the the Van Damme movies before that or whatever. There's always some line in the sand where it goes, "Oh, this is where everybody just ripped off this." And I can see I hope that the the kind of scenes that they rip off from this movie is just uh, a bit of the continuation of the the raid style and exactly what you were saying where it's more unique car chase stuff a different set of angles getting right in the action um you know obviously you know you're not going to get this type of tech but i i liken it to when i saw soderbergh shooting movies with an iphone where people were like this guy's insane what are you talking about these movies are going to look like shit and then when they looked really good and then you saw that an iphone can be put literally anywhere so that way you can get the angles that you never would with a rig people started to take notice and you're like oh my god holy shit how how do you get that done there's a there's a shot from the ceiling you know it's like oh because he literally just taped an iphone there yeah. you know it's like it's duct so, taped to the ceiling yeah literally uh so i mean and so in the same way with this one where you're showing the director literally you know on a rig on the side of the the car itself and kind of moving back and forth with the action that would be kind of cool to keep going forward yeah one of the things I liked about this movie a lot, and it, it harkens to the raid um, one and two, particularly one, is a lot of times when a movie, an action movie, goes one way, or you know, goes for it, they go one way or the other. It's either it's either a gunplay movie or it's a you know it's a fisticuffs uh, um, martial arts movie. This movie has a lot of good combination of both, where there's a there's a lot of good actual physical fights. And there's a lot of good gunplay in this movie, which you don't always get both of. Yeah. I, I was more impressed with the gunplay, but like we said oh, me before, too. I would probably say that the the fighting was actually quite good, considering even for Hemsworth being in as many like kind of either military action or MCU type things, he doesn't get into a lot of standard man-to-man fighting. Right. And so for it to be pretty good, I mean, to be honest, there, uh, we can kind of just gush over some of the scenes if you if you have anything at the ready. But I mean, uh, that first safe house scene, the rake stuff is awesome. Him kicking the table into that guy's head. Oh, and my God. I crushing his head. Uh, I made a noise during that scene, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are a few things that pop out from there. Uh, the, you mentioned eyes. it before. The 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 um the car door to the face yeah there's a, a pretty good um uh at the end when he's going through the bridge just and he does it through the whole movie but just kind of the precision with you know double tapping guys that was very john wicky but it was still very cool yeah the saju uh knife fight once they get down to knife level in the streets yeah. uh where the people get hit by cars that's a great sequence uh, and very compelling. I think uh, for me, and I think that's the one thing that they maybe didn't take from the raid stuff. A lot of people are starting to catch on that the best kind of action sequences, especially if you're going man to man, is super close up, like close corner. Like the, right. you know how like everybody went crazy when Daredevil did it? Uh, the Netflix Daredevil series. Oh, the, hallway, the fight hallway fight and everything. Yeah. I mean, that came. Again, from the Raid movies. The Raid movies did that close, you know, stairwell, small apartment, really kind of getting claustrophobic, but then um, 
<laughs> doing you know crazy stuff with knives or guns or uh, karate moves specifically this movie isn't going to do karate but you know it's going to do that kind of just brute fighting that you know kind of soldieristic mentality that kind of uh training background and so it's going to do i think it does a really good job for being that yeah um, i i've i've read and heard accounts of you know real soldiers um, you know, guys who were in Afghanistan and stuff that actually encountered enemies hand to hand. And it's not, you know, I mean, obviously it's not, but it's not Van Damme movies where it's, a, no. you know, spin kicks and shit. It's literally you're a foot away from a guy and you're both just trying your hardest to live and to either disable or kill the other guy. And yeah, and there's a lot of scenes in this movie where that's what it is. It's just close quarter just beating the shit out of each other yeah any other scenes stand out for you um well the scene in one bit i did like a lot was the scene in the alley when the um when the kids attack him um one of the shots i really loved was um when the bike i think the bike is coming down the alley and and they're shooting the machine gun yeah he's in the van he you see him duck down in the van and as the machine gun as the bike goes across and machine guns the the van he like jumps through out the, of the um, back of the, the van through the out window. of the back of the window I like yeah that. yeah yeah I, I, and then you know and then the old um you know the pull through the front the front uh spokes of the bike knocking them off classic um classic yeah there's yeah there's just a bunch of different bits i'm trying to remember the rake like you mentioned I'm not kidding. I literally shuddered when he kicked the table into the guy's head. Yeah. Um, because that was just one of those like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's funny, uh, that's so early on and it's not the fight scene that people will talk about. But to me, between the safe house and the David Harbor fight, yeah, they're almost more impressive than that one full continuous one that people are going to go gaga over or seem to be talking about the most. But like I said, to me, at the end of the day, the the bridge scenes, the actual getting down into you, you get everything you possibly want. A shit ton of people dying, uh, you know, a bunch of you know shots to the head, so many guns. Uh, and then, like you said. Anytime, if a movie has an RPG hit a helicopter, which Dude. almost seems to be like action movie bingo, if Andrew. you see this happen, that is one of my favorite things in the world. I, I was just going to say that. I love you, man. I was just <laughs> going to say that the RPG to helicopter shot in this movie was incredibly dope. I mean, yeah. she hits it. It knocks the tail off. And then the, you know, just the shot, like the the actual fuselage of the helicopter spinning out of control and eventually exploding and landing in the river. Yep. Um, that scene was fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it's completely action movie bingo to like yep. have that as like the, <laughs> the last straw. But man, are those always awesome? And obviously lends to your Black Hawk Down. Uh, scenario yeah uh, and i also liked a lot of the stuff uh hemsworth did with the um grenade launcher oh yeah and they there was just kind uh sent some things at him which i thought was actually gonna be more devastating uh in that sequence when he's holding uh kind of being the distraction as they were getting across the right. bridge uh in that sequence where they shoot i believe an rpg into that top floor and he just kind of ducks and covers and he's fine uh yeah i thought it was gonna blow out the whole floor but apparently uh not as strong as i thought 
<laughs> they have the weak RPG. Yeah. <laughs> the second, the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, aftermarket RPGs. Yeah. Uh, not the yeah. good stuff. They got it off. They got it off a wish. <laughs> Get your RPGs off of Amazon, everybody. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, but yeah, so I think uh, end of the day, I'm going to go with this movie is good. I would say it is worth people's time, especially at this time when we're all huddled in and just want to see other people die instead of what's going on outside. Yeah. And, you know, and have a good cause to do it with. And if they make a second one, fuck it. I'm in. It's fine. Yeah. I'm totally down. And again, I try not to overthink these movies. There are things where I think they can improve and I'm going to say them. And I have. However, at the end of the day, you pop back a couple of, you know, buds and just sit down and just watch, you know, a bunch of dudes get like lit up and shot in the head. It's a pretty good day. This will do it's it for a, you. It's a pretty good couple hours. It's not going to yeah. bother you. It's going to, you know, roll up and, uh, you know, shoot down a helicopter and, you know, kill dudes with rakes. Yeah. If you take my earlier example of the plot, dropped in, save a kid, get out of the city. And then just pepper in action scenes, action scenes, action scenes, and just go in with that attitude. You're good. Yeah, that's good for me, man. I, I, you can't say much more about this movie, uh, but I can say a ton about you, sir. You always do a great job. I appreciate you coming on, uh, especially, you know, you're my action guy now. I've kind of like, I, I don't I'll know. Take if, it. Uh, yeah, if you kind of like seen uh, how I do things around here, it's like I got Chris Friedell for anything with subtitles. Apologies say he's your he's your he's your uh, foreign movie guy. Yeah, he's my foreign yeah. correspondent. Yeah, so we bring him in uh, for any of those. Uh, you're my action guy as of late. Uh, which weird. I thought uh, once we did the I uh, I am mother one, I thought we were gonna pivot because uh, you're a big sci-fi action guy. I guess it yeah. kind of all follows through though. It's kind of all in the same vein. So we'll do. Most that. importantly, I'm a five timer now. That <laughs> is true. So yeah. So what is it? Ritual. I Ritual. am Mother, Six Underground, this, and what I miss? The Platform. The Platform, very true, yeah. So I stole that one from Frodel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Mad subtitles with that one. It's all the way through, baby. So, yep. Yeah, and that's got tons of fun action in there as well as being very twisted. So, yeah, so you're my guy, man. If it's, if it's weird or it's crazy and there's a lot of violence, you're my guy. I'm here for you, man. <laughs> Tell the people where they can find uh, Pina Comics, which is an amazing show that you guys should be listening to. Uh, you know, you guys cover everything. Everything cool, man. Everything pop culture, everything comic books, movies, everything else. Um, I think for the third consecutive time we're on here, I think I'm going to plug the fact that I will be on there <laughs> to do Yes. Now that we finally have it uh, in the books uh, that we're going to do it, uh, hopefully we won't be interrupted. But uh, absolutely, I look forward to being on there because it's so good, man. Tell the people where they can find it. All right, Pine of Comics, uh, anywhere you can get your podcasts. You can go to Apple. You can go to uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, any podcatcher out there. We put out a brand new podcast every single week where we talk about exactly what Andrew said. We we um, explore greater geekdom. So we might talk about a certain run of a comic book. We might talk about... Um, a movie we might talk have a random episode where we talk about a bunch of different things uh, we have a whole kind of horror subgenre we do with our friend Larry Dwyer um, and uh, yeah and we also have a weekly radio show 
which is on Sunday nights on WESUFM.org. So you can go right to the website, listen to it live, 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., or go to the archives and listen to it at any point for two weeks after it airs. With COVID, we've been shut out of the radio station, obviously, um, but starting yesterday, we started releasing new episodes again that we're recording and sending in, and we have another one coming out this Sunday, and it looks like we're going to be back on a schedule to be um, doing those again, too. So check us out, Piney Comics, me, Sir John, and the Manster, and we just love to uh, to talk about entertaining stuff. Yeah, and if you obviously... Uh long-time listeners of this show we brought it up before if you've seen i am mother go back and listen to that you get kind of the the essence of the pint boys all three of you guys are on that one to to kind of see and obviously check it out for yourself go to pineofcomics.com or catch the uh the subscribe button you know hit it all that listen to it i'm just blabbering now uh, I'm, I'm i'm off the rails just like this movie was uh so now's a good time to to end it i appreciate you coming on sir as always and uh, I will see you again tomorrow night to finally get that recording in. And so people look forward uh, to catching the top five movies of 1990 uh, release coming up soon. So subscribe now to The Pint and enjoy that until I return. Nomcast rules. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing it. All right, man. All right, man.